0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. On a shine Sunday, what that means is every year, uh, the Lord blesses us with a theme for that year. We seek Him in prayer on a prayer retreat in the fall and, uh, and then as He lays these themes on us, He begins to help us to unfold their thematic implications from Scripture throughout the year and we, and we come out on the other side of each year being so, um, uh, encouraged and blessed and educated on these these strong and deep and rich biblical themes. And they're not things like you see around the room, like devoted and, and others. They're not meant to be things that are left behind, but they're building blocks in the Christian life, things that we continue to uh, to respond to and uh, lean upon. Uh, and so this year is shine. And as you see here, let your light so shine before men. We see that in Matthew Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. And we're called to be the light of the world. The light of the world. How are you doing with that? How are you doing? Are you lighting up the world? Are you being a reflection of his love? Are you the moon, uh, in the sun illustration where we reflect his glory to those around us? Well, can that be challenging at times? Right? Uh, do, do, are there times where we don't feel like we're shining? Anybody? Right? I mean, and, and yet, you know, the, the good news is, is that, and I want to, I want to, we'll say this a lot this morning, is, is it doesn't depend on you. Right, like we're we're simply a reflection of the one that shines, um, the the light himself wants to make his impact in us. But it, it but we've got to surrender, we've got to yield, we've got to we, we get to we get to be in his presence. We get we're, we're invited in. Please hear that this morning. We're invited into the light so that we can. You know, one of the things that that I I, I always remember is that Moses. Uh, spent 40 days in God's, in God's presence in an intimate way. Uh, he, he was the one that, uh, developed the, uh, the tent of meeting before it was the tabernacle, uh, because he just, that, that, that was his tent and that's what he did in his tent, right, as he met with God. And, and, and I thought that's really interesting. Like, is your house a tent of meeting? Right. That was his dwelling place. And, be, be, and, and that's what he, it was referred to by him as the, 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 the tent of meeting, because that's what he did when he was in his house. And, um, it's interesting. He comes down from Mount Sinai and, and he didn't even know that he was radiating God's presence, his glory. And others had to say to him, like, man, whoa, whoa, cover that up, man. That's just, that's, that's wild. That's amazing. But, but it's overwhelming. And so, um, we are called, with unveiled faces, here in the New Testament, to to be a reflection of this glory, this light that in the Old Testament was concealed, is now been revealed in Christ, and uh, and we see all this prophetic statements and God's voice throughout ancient Israel's history of of clearly pointing. In, and please understand, the Old Testament points to Jesus in every regard. Every promise finds its fruition in Him. And, uh, and, and it's unique. We're going to look at, the, our theme verse for the month is, uh, is Isaiah 60 and, uh, verse 1. And, uh, one of the things that we find in Isaiah is that there's this, isn't it interesting that there's 66 books in the Bible? And in the, in the book of Isaiah, there's 66 chapters. And isn't it interesting that the divide between the Old and the New Testament happens at the 39th book of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the 40th book of the Bible, uh, the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. So just making sure you're still with me. Okay, so so like what's interesting is there's a massive shift, of course, 400 years of silence, but there's this massive shift that transpires in that moment where the, the Messiah is coming. This promised light, this promised hope. This deliverer, the suffering servant, you know, the things that would have been veiled and and somewhat of a mystery that now in hindsight, it has much more clarity, um, but was spoken of in such profound and hopeful ways. And isn't it interesting that in the book of Isaiah, when you turn the page from chapter 39 to chapter 40, you see that same distinct change, you know, uh, that there's, you know, the time of, of discipline is over double comfort is coming and you know and it's interesting to me when we get to chapter 60 which is well into the the messianic chorus here and it kind of reaches uh its apex of of hallelujah right it's it's uh it, it, it's climax of chorus here if you see it as a song where now we're we're using words like rise and shine your light has come. You know, these, these beautiful moments where yet in the context of when Isaiah is the prophetic voice of God to Israel, um, if we're familiar with, and I'm, I, I was going to do a little bit of a review, but for sake of the content this morning, I don't want to give any of that time away. Uh, I just want to say that Isaiah's time when he is speaking these things, Israel was hungry for hope. Absolutely hungry for hope. It was a very very dark uh, moment in Israel's history. Uh, they were on the verge of being being disciplined by God through the nation of Assyria. Um, there was it just was it you know it, it was a spiritually dark time, and uh, and these words would have offered great hope and anticipation. Um, but I wanna I wanna mention that this this particular prophet uh, lived. Um, 120, uh, sorry, 720 years before Jesus was born. Now, just so that we get a context for that timeline, um, how, how long, um, has it been since, uh, since this country received its freedom? Anybody know? 247 years, right? That's a long time. But we're talking three times as long as that. Uh, this, these words were spoken and the fruition comes over 720 years later. I mean, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, right? I mean, this is where he landed on the shores of St. Augustine, founded the Bahamas. And yet, I mean, that's that's still not the length of time that we're talking about here for the fruition of this promise. One of the things we find in scripture, and we see this in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, is many of the promises that are made to the people of God are trusted in as if they're present, like reality, like they're living them as fact long before their fruition. Does that make sense? And that's what faith does. Faith puts confidence in God's promises as if they're current Reality, like even though they've not come to fruition, they they know they will because they're spoken and given to them as a promise from God Himself. Does that make sense? And and so it helps us to understand the voice of the prophet here to a nation that is you know suffering discipline, um, promised that there would be recovery and a remnant that would survive, knowing that there would be a future king that would have an eternal throne. Um, these words are are penned. And spoken of as a chorus of praise and promise. And in Isaiah 61, it says this: "Arise, speaking to the nation of Israel, shine. Arise and shine." And, and it's interesting um, that Lori said that in that in, in our in our um, worship set. Like the, the birds are singing, despite the fact that the context is difficult, painful even. Um, and it doesn't warrant that type of response. We see it with Paul when he's in Philippi, right? He's chained in an inner cell, solitary confinement. It's midnight. This is Acts 16. And what is he doing? He's just been beaten, right? And, and by the way, it wasn't even, he's a Roman citizen, right? He, he didn't do anything wrong. So it's an unjust punishment. And yet he's, he's, he's living out his own declaration that there's a joy in sharing in Christ's suffering because there's an intimacy there. There's a knowledge. There's an understanding. There's a presence and power that enters into those moments. And what do they do? Him and Silas begin to sing, worship, praise the Lord, locked in shackles, midnight, solitary confinement, already been beaten and scourged. And this is the catalyst this is the catalyst to uh, to the guy that's upstairs with his family, kind of going. I'm sure that's not what he usually hears at midnight, right? I mean, that usually it's moaning and groaning, and this is the complete opposite. You know, one of the things we've talked about recently in our Shine series is uh, is what it says in Philippians two fourteen and fifteen. Do everything without arguing or complaining. That basically in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation as children of God so that you might shine like stars in the universe holding out to the word of life. We're, we're, we're supposed to be so counterculture that we're so different. We respond, you know, like what would be expected is blown away by what is completely unexpected. It's a supernatural response. And before we start kind of building resolve towards this type of, of supernatural response, let me, let me, let me take a little bit of that burden off your, your shoulders. All of that power, all of that desire, all of the, 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 uh, the resolve to do that is found in Him, is found in being in His presence. And really what Jesus has purchased us to at the cross, is, is the joy of his presence. He's invited us back in in such an intimate way that it's not even... I mean, he talks in terms of friendship and bridal language and adoption, family. Like, it's intimate. It's love. He wants us... Please hear this. He wants us close. And it's in that closeness that we shine. It's in that closeness that we experience... His presence that overshadows our darkness, that, uh, that causes us to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness and holiness. Those things aren't something that we can muster up, right? When we, are, when we are not walking in His presence, we are actually in contrast to those desires. But it's in His presence that is the fullness of joy, as Psalm 1611 says. It, it, there is... So, so what we're going to find in our passages today, and I want to state this on the front side and really unpack this as we go through it, is that what what the Christian life is all about is, is fellowship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And the byproduct of that is there's this in, intimate fellowship that we have with each other. But it doesn't work the other way around. Oftentimes when we have conflict with, with earthly relationships, we, we're looking for, ideally, God bless you, to, to find mend there as ministers of reconciliation. But really, all of the, all of the wisdom, all of the, the intention, the heart, the necessities that are required for, for reconciliation is found in our relationship with him, in a close, intimate relationship with him. And we'll find that true in our text so isaiah brings this hopeful message in the midst of these dark circumstances this this kind of speaks to us lot, the way that the uh, the the second coming of christ uh should be for the for the for the for the new testament believer for us for those that are here in the last days we should understand that all the promises that god has made we should treat them as already happened not already happened in time but already happened in promise Like already, like God's going to be faithful, so consider it done. And does that change the way we live when we believe the promises, the future promises of God? And isn't that what faith really is? Is that we're trusting God for things that have yet to be revealed or realized. Faith is the is the confidence of things hoped for and the, the, the 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 sureness of things yet to be seen. And so, or certainty. So this is, this is, this is the prophetic nature of what Isaiah is saying to this nation here. And he says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So this is the, this is one of many, and Isaiah is filled with, uh, with shine and light terminology, uh, filled with hope. Post chapter 40, uh, kind of laid the groundwork of, of what their present reality was and then their hopeful pr- prophetic promises that God has made. And then we pick up the story in the, in the chronology, uh, over, f- like I said, 720 years later. And, and here's a dad, right, who happens to be a pro, a priest. His name is Zechariah. And his wife Elizabeth, they are well advanced in years, we're told. These are righteous. This is a righteous couple. Uh, they're, they're obedient to God's word. And, and, uh, and with all of that, he ends up being chosen by Lot. He's in, he's in the temple. He's praying for, for God's Messiah to come. And the angel Gabriel shows up and says, your prayers have been answered. And on top of that, some of those prayers that you stopped asking are going to be answered too. You're going to have a son. And he's going to be that son that's been promised to Israel, that's going to lay the groundwork for the coming Messiah. And you know that Zechariah has, um, he's mute for like 10 to 12 months uh, in, in preparation for this baby's, this son that's coming to him. And in that time, you can imagine all that he has thought through and, and brought to fruition as far as the concepts that were vague to him. And, and he's, here in this text that we're going to read, um, he's holding his baby boy and he's just pronounced his name over him, he's, which is uncommon to his entire family. And he calls him the beloved, right? He calls him John. And he's holding him in his arms. And these, uh, this is part of the words, the latter part of the words that he speaks. And he says this, and you child will be called the prophet of the most high, the prophet of the most high, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And don't you love this because of the tender mercy of our God. This is the heart of a father declaring the the mission and calling of a son at eight days old, whereby, and here it is, here's the the imagery of Isaiah, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news into the hardship and the the oppression of these people? I mean, you can hear, you can hear the the the, the, the like Zechariah, you could hear his enthusiasm and excitement for what God has promised come into fruition. In John chapter 3 verse 19 and 20, this is what John has to say and John the apostle has to say about Jesus and the light of the world. It says, and this is the judgment. The light speaking of Jesus, has come into the world. All right? Just like Isaiah promised in Isaiah 60, verse 1, just like God promised, has come into the world, and people, here, here's the sad reality, and people loved the darkness rather than Jesus, the light. Loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? Why? Well, it goes on to tell us, because their works were evil. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates Jesus, hates the light and does not come to the light even though he's inviting them in, right? Even though he says, come to me those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Even though he's invited, does not come into the light why, lest their works should be exposed to me, it sounds like the garden scenario all over again right they're 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 hiding fearful of exposure, right, walking in blame and doubt, trying to cover up um, and and all of that leaves them separated from life himself, death, and so he is calling us out of the darkness. That's what he's calling us. He's calling us into his marvelous light. We we see over and over again. He's inviting us into his presence. Now, we have to overcome our affinity for darkness. We have to overcome our fear of exposure. We have to overcome. And, and is John writing to saint or sinner? Right? The, the book's written to the saints, right? I mean, it's, Tr- truly does translate to the center, but like but but all of the New Testament has to the saints here, to the saints there i mean it's it 's written to the believers, to those twelve tribes that are in Christ, scattered among the nations, like we see these these intros that help us to understand the audience that these these letters are written to, and so we 're being called, even as saints to do can a saint hide? Can a saint be um, be kind of struggling with, with doubt and darkness and, and sin that's unrepentative? Can a saint walk in pride? He is calling us out of the darkness. We are hiding in guilt and shame. If we don't walk in repentance, if we don't walk in, in a confessional mindset, you know, this is what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And what, what that statement is saying is like, like walk in repentance, keeping something means that you are perpetually honoring that, um, that approach, that, 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 that lifestyle. And so the Christian life is filled with opportunities for repentance because we're always under construction. We're always moving to a further uh, degree of holiness and righteousness, even though that's been purchased for us. But what ultimately has been purchased for us is now we have access to the one that sanctifies and purifies and cleanses us. The challenge is always this. Stay close. Remain. Abide draw near come and see quit blaming the devil and others that 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 didn't work in the garden and it doesn't work now right like it, it's not it's not his like we're culpable for our choices and you know that the saddest choice is to not walk like it's not to believe that the cross is enough and that God's mercy has quenched our sin and Christ died in, his, in the sufficiency of his grace to bathe us and to quench our sin. So like there, the door's been open. He is the door, the gate, the, the way, the truth, the light, and he's, he's, he's inviting us back into his presence. We're going to talk about the implications of that this morning. So we need to own our faults. We need to own our failures we need to take responsibility for the things that and and here's the thing the enemy wants us to live in guilt and shame which 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 causes separation but god wants us to to live in such an abiding presence with him that that we we agree with him about our sin that we don't we don't befriend our sin if you wish to be friends of the world you make yourself an enemy of god james says and so walk your darkness into the cleansing light. That's another way of just saying like we, we we now can walk in through the grace and the and of the cross, we can we can walk in and then we start to we start to not want what God doesn't want for us. Which we can get so familiar with and so um, it can become such a common part of our culture that we don't even see its darkness anymore until we have the benefit of his marvelous light so let me let me walk through this principle in in five or six very short verses in first john chapter 1 if you want to turn with me there great first john chapter 1 verses 5 to 10 and look how John, the beloved helps us to, to understand the value uh, and the sufficiency of the cross, uh, the cleansing work of the cross and its comprehensive nature and how it invites us to a place of refreshment and healing, uh, a place of hope, joy, peace, uh, comfort, like all of those things are found in his presence. And so, here we go. In, in verse, verses five and six, this is what it says. This is the message we, John speaking in plurality of him and the other apostles, have heard from him, the Lord Jesus, and pro- proclaim to you that God the Father is light and in him is no darkness at all. So let's understand here the statement that's being made is, and I, I mean, it's, it's huge. Like there is, What is the, what is light? It's the absence of darkness, right? Like, darkness has to flee. Like, with God, there is no darkness. We're told these things over and over again, that He is, He is, He is, He is light to its, to its perfection, right? And, uh, we see this when Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's transformed into His glorified state, and, and it says that His clothes were, were dazzling like, like lightning. Um, like we, we see these things when angels show up, I mean, like the glory of God has that, uh, has that effect on everyone that's in his presence. Right. And so there is no darkness at all in him. And, and do you know this morning, that's what God wants for you. He wants to rid you of all darkness and he's accomplished that, but we have to remain in his presence and we have this propensity. We're prone to wonder. You know, and he's a good shepherd by, by far. He, he calls it, but he wants us to stay close, really close, because he does, he knows the consequences of darkness, right? And he knows the benefits of his marvelous light, his presence. And so it says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. Verse six. If we say we have fellowship with God, the Father, while we walk in darkness, we lie. So there's a whole bunch of ifs here, right? Ifs, there's tons of if statements in this six verses, right? And uh, it says, if we say, say, if we state, yeah, I have fellowship, I have intimacy with God, and yet we walk in darkness that's a lie. You can't have fellowship, intimacy with light, and be walking in darkness now the word "walking there is live living like that's your that's your walk that's what you that's where you're living that's your practice and so like it it doesn't make sense it it's it's hypocritical it's 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 not factual it's a lie so don't don't say that i have i have i mean i'm a i'm a believer I mean, i'm i'm good with god i'm close to god i'm intimate with the father and and you're walking in darkness because it's not the truth it's it's a self deception if we say we have fellowship with, with him, with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We are done, we're not putting God's word into practice. Now, look, this is not supposed to be some laborsome law and code and rules and regulations. This is a, this is a relationship that we're purchased to that of uh, someone that loved you enough to die for you and he just wants you close so that you can experience everything he has for you in his presence. He wants you near so that you don't have the, the lies and the deceptions that we're so prone to disrupting and destroying your life and your witness, your joy, peace, comfort, hope, all these things are, are the cost of not being in His presence, and if He's talking to saints, do we have the the capacity to walk in darkness? And if we say we have fellowship with the Father, that's talking about intimacy with Him. It's not true. It's a lie. But there's 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 an answer. There's a hope. And see, the truth is, repentance is the path to his presence. Because before there was no hope. Do you know there's really two ways to heaven? You're going, Pastor, you've lost your mind. <laughs> I can give you verse, chapter. I can give you, dang, John says, other ways. listen, be perfect. Right? Obey the law to perfection and you'll live. Isn't that what the Old Testament tells us? That's a way. Or you can put your total trust on the one that did fulfill the law to perfection and offers you his righteous resume. Right? That, that, that's your choices. And, uh, and so there is only one way to the Father, through Christ, the perfect Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And, and what was his heart? What was his ambition? To rescue you, you back in the most intimate of ways so that you might, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. Like, let's not turn this into some, some cold religion when it's all about a father's love and a, and a husband's pursuit of his bride and an intimate, like, the father's spirit now dwelling in us for the purpose of making us like him so that we know him in a more intimate and real, and so he wants you close because, look, look, the devil's not afraid of you, but yet he's terrified of him. Doesn't that say that maybe we should stay close? Right? Like it's and and the thing is everything that kept us, the sin that so easily entangles, the, the barriers and the boundaries, the the separation has Jesus has 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 bridged the great divide. He's made a way back to the Father. Why would we not abide there? The, way, the, the reason the NIV translates that "remain" is because the word "abide" means "make this your home," make him your home. Now, what does all this have to do with shine? I mean, it's it's pretty simple. If we abide in His presence, as a reflection and and uh, of Him, we shine, and the world sees it. They see it. I was sharing in class this morning. I I remember I I um I I was got out of the car at. Wendy's parking lot on the way home. I picked something up on a Sunday afternoon, so I just finished, and I was lit. I was just—it's just one of those moments where you're just—you're in overflow. You're just so in love and so so captured by the, the fact that God would invite you in, and you're just experiencing all the joy and peace of His presence, the hope and. And I'm—I'm I'm telling you, as I got out of the car, everyone that looked at me was like, and it just. Same way all the way through the store. I was thinking, is there something hanging on my nose? Like, no. But like, the truth was like, it's the same thing that people said to Moses when he came down from the mountain. He didn't even know it. But because he was in the Lord's presence, he shined. Do you know the greatest version of you is you in him, the hope of glory? Like, like, this is, this is everything that God wants for you is him. This is himself. Like, that, that's the greatest gift that he's given us is he's given us access to his presence. And, and, and it, it's a tragedy that most of us want the present rather than the gift, right? Like, we, we've, we've, uh, we've got to realize that, that he is the gift and his presence. Now, let's continue in the text because it helps us to understand some things. But let's remember repentance is the path to his presence because Jesus has dealt with our debt. And so so now we can just own our sin. We can confess that we've fallen short. We can, we, we can, we can trust in his word and his promises and we can walk back into his presence. Now, should we do that with our tail between our legs and, you know, like a prodigal son coming home? I mean, yeah, there should be godly sorrow, right? We should mourn our sin, but we should also walk in the promises of God. And what I mean by that, that the prodigal son came home confident in the father's generosity and love. Like we, we should come home expecting that God is going to put a ring on our finger, sandals on our feet, restore us to sonship. Like he's going to throw the party. He's going to put our, his hands around us because that's what he does. The enemy wants to tell you that you're done. You're finished. You've outsinned his grace. That, you know, they, And just remind you of, look, this is what we're told. As far as the east is from the west, so far as I've removed your transgressions from you. Like when we're trusting in God's word, we can, we can come into his presence resolved in the fact that my father is good and that his mercy endures forever. So does his love. And and that that invites me in because of the cross, it invites me in to His mercy and His grace, the ransom that is made so that we can stay in His presence. Are are you are you good? Let me ask: Are you going to sin at times? Are you going to make? Is anybody here without sin? Anybody raise their hands? Messiah in the presence? Yeah, only Jesus, right? Like, but like. One of the things this text teaches us to do is to own it. Like, don't don't say you're without sin. Like, walk your sin into the light. Right? Like, confess your sins one to another that you might pray for one another and be healed. Right? Love covers a multitude of sin. Let's be reminded of these glorious truths. Then we see another big if here in uh, verse 7. But if we walk, if... It's talking to the saint... We have this privilege, we have this, this calling, we have this invitation, but if we walk in the light, and it's, the if is, can, can we not walk in the light? Anybody here not uh, besides me? Like, we, we can choose to walk in darkness. That's a sad reality. We can, we can choose to go hide because we're not believing the gospel. We're not believing the problem. We're not believing and trusting in the character of God that's been on display. But if we walk in the light, reminding ourselves that he is the light, as he is in the light, in other words, share his presence, remain in fellowship with him. We have fellowship with one another. Now, this is a curious moment. I've already mentioned some of this, but but uh, but very quickly, like, you ever felt like you're at odds with others? And and it's not like you can put anything on it. You just feel like you, you're just you're not in love with a lot of people right now, and you're you're you're, you're relationally challenged. Never, Steve. Yeah, I see that smile. So like like the, the, yeah, I'm okay. The thing the thing is is that our breach is first against him. With him, like so often you know we want to make things right, but you know what needs to get right is our heart and our 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 relationship with God. Because you know what the text says there? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So one of the benefits of walking in his presence is intimacy with others that are walking in his presence. There's a mutual like joy, peace. There's a mutual commonality. There's a communion that happens between the saints when we share an intimacy with the father, right? And, And as relational beings, we understand that. We get that, but but everything finds its source and its origin in him. Like and the challenge is to walk in the light. Now, I, I'm I i do not want to assume that everybody understands what that means, but it but it just it simply means this like to to stay in his presence. Right? Just to to even especially when you feel your own failure, fault, and darkness. Like when you feel like you've fallen, especially when you, when the enemy is trying to keep you because everything you need in that moment is in his presence. And it's, it's about, it's about drawing near. It's about walking back into his presence and knowing that he is good, faithful, and kind. And it's his kindness that leads us to this posture of repentance. We have fellowship with one another. This is the byproduct of walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? So here's, like, we can just run right past that little piece and miss something grand. So when we, when we, when we walk in the light, when we remain in fellowship with the Lord, what, what happens is we don't want to sin like we see our sin very blatant and we share God's lack of affinity for it like like well here's a better way to put it Mike said it good this morning in class like okay so when we when we're hanging out in darkness our darkness doesn't look so bad right when we're we're doing things that is completely you know okay in the world which you know, God wouldn't be pleased with, doesn't honor the Lord, doesn't resonate with his word. Like we can, we can kind of, we can compromise and be accepted by others and, and, and maybe feel pretty good about that. And, but yet there's a discontentment in our soul. Look, to walk in the light is, is going to have you uh, in in a disposition that says, I don't want to do that. And it's not because I, I shouldn't, it's because I, I just I can't betray my father's heart. It just it just seems dark to me now where it didn't before. Anybody? Yeah, right. And and that's how we grow up in the Lord. It's by walking in the light. It's and 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 the beauty of walking in the light is that our darkness can't hide. Does that make sense? And and, and I'm going to tell you that's a really good thing. Right, it's the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in those moments is is the path to healing. And so the challenge for us in in that is be, the reason we're cleansed from all sin in that in that place is because their sin can't stay there. And when I abide there, it's got to go or I got to go. And I've watched many people, as it says uh, to, in First Timothy six, about when it comes to money, I've seen a lot of people go. Well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, you know, or I'm going to, you know, I can't, I can't walk under that conviction. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of blend in, you know, how does God feel about blend in, <laughs> right? Be hot, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. It makes me sick. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Like, cause it's hypocrisy because your witness is compromised, right? And, um. And so like the beauty of walking in the light is that the blood of Jesus has its full effect in our life. Does that make sense? Right? And and we share God's hatred for the things that are that are not for us, but yet over here we could kind of feel like, "Well, it's not so bad. Look at her. Look at him." Is that our is that our measure? Is that is that what you want to be just as good as the world is? And and so that's what it's saying here. If we say we have fellowship with God, with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, share his presence, remain in fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen to this next big if. If we say we have no sin, who's he talking to? The saint, right? Like, let's understand that. And, and let me be very clear. You, if you're in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to be a sinner. Please don't call a saint a sinner, right? Like, that's not who you are. Now, that you might do things that are not, that don't resonate with the saint. Like, saints will sin, right? And that's not, a, that's not okay, because as paul said shall we you know shall we go on sin and so that grace may abound by by no means we died to sin how can we live it any longer it makes no sense like we have we have cause we have strength we have power to resist sin right and to walk in accordance with the spirit and to be faithful with god's word we couldn't do that before now we have power right by his spirit in order to walk out his word and all of that finds its it's don't miss this it's it's staying power when we stay close, when we remain abide, when we make him our home. Like, can I challenge you real practically? What does it look like? We see this in War Room, the movie. But like, what does it look like to make your house a tent of meeting? I mean, do you want to shine? Like, because like prayer isn't some, yeah, it's a spiritual discipline. It's a practical thing. But it, it's 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 relational con- conversation with our heavenly father it's essential for intimacy you know you know the catalyst for me man music is such an important way for me to connect with the lord like pers- personal worship just just worshiping him you know especially especially in hard moments his word his word calls me to himself in holiness it's a, submissive, a submissive posture is essential for me in order to just be in that mode of take me, make me, show me, grow me, right? But this is, this, all of these components are, are, are ways that we just, you know, stay close. What are you staying close to? Is it him? Yeah, that's right. Stay close to him. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Man, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, especially those outside the kingdom, just, you know, like, I don't sin. sin." Wow, that's pretty amazing. Like, never lied, stole anything, you know, never lusted in your heart, never never got angry with your brother. Wow, it's impressive, but that's not true. You know, if we say... Again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So where does that leave us? We have sin. We sin, right? This, the book of 1 John says, you know, every, everyone sins, but don't try to sin. He says, don't sin. But then he says, if you sin, we have an advocate, right? So verse 8, if anyone says they have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth, here's the thing, the truth isn't in us. So do you think it's helpful for the world to hear from the saint, from the church? Hey man, I sin too. Do you think that's relatable? And do you think that that, that that's an opportunity to say, but let me tell you where my answer lies. Let me tell you where my hope is. Let me tell you where my objective to stay in his presence and, and there would be no way for me to ever get back there with my sin if it wasn't for the cross. If Jesus didn't pay my debt, if he didn't die my penalty and satisfy God's wrath on my behalf like I would have no hope of his presence. And in his presence is everything that life desires. Everything. Satisfaction. We have to come clean to share his presence. You know, the church really isn't good at this. In fact, the catalyst to most revivals is just repentance. It's just honest, heartfelt, sincere. I messed up. I blew it. I sinned but good news, I have a savior. I have a savior and he loves me. And he died and he he called me back home to his presence so I can experience, like, look, we can't live the Christian life outside of his presence. You can't. You can't be good enough. You can't do anything that God's word calls you to without the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have got to stay close. That's, and you know, how do we preach a shine message without this content? Right? How do we shine without the sun? The moon does not shine without the sun. Right? We don't either. And the, the the source of that light from the sun, from the moon on the earth, is is just our gaze. Right? Our. And so, this this passage goes on and concludes with this another big if, if we confess our sins. Let me ask a question: Can Can we live in a place where we don't confess? Been there? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, I I think the most miserable person on the planet is not a lost person. It's a person that's known the intimacy of Christ and that is walking outside of confession and repentance. Is walking in darkness. That's the most miserable person on the planet because they've tasted and seen how good God is. They know what they're missing out on. If, if, that's so, if we confess our sins, not sin, sins. Here's the, here's the good news. He's faithful. Don't you love that this morning? He's faithful to what? He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. He's he's faithful to himself, his character, right? We can count on him like not once, twice, endlessly. That's what he told our, he said, our forgiveness and love should have no restrictions because it's like mine. And isn't that good to know? But it says, it says, if we confess our sins, if, that's sad, but if, he's faithful and just. Now, why is that good for us to hear? Because, look, God doesn't just overlook sin. Jesus paid the price. He is just. Someone had to die. An animal, in this case, the God himself, the Lamb of God, came to take away the sins of the world. Wow. Just to forgive us our sins, plural, good news, plural, and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness, all of it. All maybe that's the that's the thing you need to hear this morning, that the cross quenched all your sin. Past, present, anything coming up, like it's all been quenched, so that you can stay close. Which was not a privilege that we had before the cross. And now we can stay in his presence and experience all the byproduct benefits of all that his presence is promised. And then verse 10 ends with another big if. If we say we have not sinned, going back to what was stated earlier. Right? If we say, like, well, what puts us in a posture I am sinned? Pride. Right? Arrogance the lack of humility, haughty eyes, haughtiness, the things that God hates we see in the list, right? Because, because it, it keeps us at odds with him. Man, look, can I, I probably don't say this a lot. You've sinned. You've sinned. I've sinned. You've sinned. We should be confessing, confessing repentive people. Right? We don't do that because we got, we got a reputation to protect. Right? We, we don't want anybody to think any less. And you know that that's all a lie? But you know, like we, you know what a grace-filled environment does? It says, I blew it. I failed. I fell short. And they know, they know that God's character will be demonstrated in the body of Christ that says, can I pray for you? Cause me too. And you know what it does? It does quite the opposite. It doesn't, oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, I'm not, I don't know that shit. You know, like what it, what it brings about is, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I've, in fact, I need to confess the sin to you too. And and what happens? We get freed up. We get invited back. You know, like we, we start walking back in and, and when we maintain that presence, what happens is we don't even have an, we don't have an affinity for it anymore. We don't have a desire for it anymore. Look, the reason those things get taken from us is because simply not because that there's been some supernatural, yes, it is, supernatural healing of our addictions. It's because we're abiding in his presence. I promise you, you start walking in darkness, all those addictions will start beckoning at your door again. The key is to stay in his presence, and that's the very thing that the cross purchased us back to. And everything we need, resolve, even, look, we don't need to have a desire to do ministry. Like, hey, you know how exhausting that is to try to, I've got, I got, I got to do ministry, I've got to love people. Listen, all of, that, all of that becomes very, very natural to a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither when whatever he does prosper. Like, it's, it's staying close. That's what that whole, il- he, delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. Like, that's another way that we abide. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, talking about God, a liar. Is God a liar? Right? How do we make truth a liar? Right? By saying, "Uh, I didn't sin. Like, we should even have a posture like, I'm sure I did something wrong. You know, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, like, I mean, it should be more of a disposition to, to, to lack of arrogance and just understanding the grace of God and appreciating, valuing, because what happens here in this moment is we misrepresent him. Because he stated that we that we've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? And and so we misrepresent him when we say, Oh no, I I haven't sinned. We and I'm not saying let's run around and go, I sinned, I sinned. You know, I'm not I'm not that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying let's be quick to own it. Let's quick, let's quit let let's not do what we see in the garden. Our nature has a capacity and a, and a propensity to do. Let's not run to our, our bush and hide. Like I see people all the time. They sin and, and they start, they leave the church. Right? Because they're, they, they, been, they don't want to be exposed to the light. And then they, they're at odds with the people of the light. If you're ever at odds with the people of the light, you, may, you might want to take a look. Search me. Right Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. This is exactly what, what David's talking about in Psalms 51. And his word is not in us. So I finish with this. Is his word in you? Because what it's clearly saying there, don't miss this, is you can't say, I haven't sinned, I don't sin, and, be, and his word be in you. Because what does this word do for us? It brings conviction. It brings, it shows us the, you know, it's like, it's like James says in James 1, 22 to 26. It's, it's like a perfect law. It shows us our imperfections. Right? Like when we look at it, it, it reveals when we do it consistently and faithfully, it like reveals the things that, that aren't right. But what do we do in that moment with that? Like, do we, do we, do we get some makeup out? Because we do that. Spiritually, we do that. Or do we just go, God, I don't, I don't like this. I don't want this. Cover this. Right? I mean, that. Clairol should pick up on that. Like that's, God's the ultimate cover up. I don't know. So like, um, so is his word in you? His word sets us free. Let's be reminded of that. His word should be native to our language. Like if we 're going to talk if like even our self talk and thoughts should be filled with truth, right do you ever have self talk that is filled with doubt and deception and lie? I mean just dark like you know how, you know how you fight that? just bathe your mind and he says you're already clean because of the word i 've spoken to you like let let the word of God speak into those into those lies, filter your thoughts with truth listen listen to what this passage says in in John one four through five in him is life or was life. And the life was the light of men. That's, that's what he came back to bring, bring us back to light, to life. The light shines in the darkness. That's, that's Jesus. That's us. And the darkness has not overcome it. Is that good news this morning? Is that good news? Like light overcomes darkness every, every time, every single time. So here's, here's what I want to finish with. Please grab the notes. There's, there's a ton more of excellent, some scripture I want you to look at. The worship team's coming. Um, you know, we're told in Revelation at the end of the day that we don't need a sun anymore, like the, the planet. the sun. We don't need any of that anymore because it says the Lamb is our light. God is our light. Like, you know, that's the very thing on the first day that God gave us was himself. He said, let there be me, glory. Right. And so like here, here's the good news this morning. Is there, is there, is there any darkness in your life that you're walking in? If if you've been here this morning, hopefully the Holy Spirit has kind of pointed some of that out. Is there stuff that you've just been trying to hide or cover up? Or maybe you've been blaming others for, for those things rather than just taking responsibility. Has pride or arrogance had a place in your life that, that you've, just kind of found yourself in a place of uh, denial? Or are you so concerned about fitting in that you've conformed to the patterns of this world and, uh, and you're not letting the distinct light, you know, move you to a place of being different, so different that you shine. So here's what I want to tell you. Here's the good news this morning. And I'm going to challenge you this morning to maybe make your seat an altar, Spend this song in prayer. Um, But don't leave from this moment without having some time with the Lord on this. I want to tell you, here's the good news. If you walk that darkness into his presence, it can't stay. It can't. That's the beauty. Like if we just walk ourselves into his presence, that's why we're cleansed from all sin your 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 fellowship with one another with him will be restored that's the challenge and so guys look don't live listen my brother charles has said this for years like secrets make us sick sick find a brother find a sister confess your sin give it to the lord you can't you can't live in in secret and and expect that there's not going to be any prayer. Like that's why it says confess your sins one to another, that you may pray for one another and and what be healed. Right? Let's let's walk each other's darkness into the light. And that should be our response as we confess to one another, but don't don't let the darkness remain. And the only way to deal with it is walk it into just do whatever it takes to be in his presence and to remain and abide there so that you might shine for his glory. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.